GainesvilleMedia.com. Video game makers believe that their products are starting to attract a whole new market. The voice of the gaming generation. The competition in this industry is so fierce, but we did manage to get a glimpse into the future. Real gaming opinions. The obvious question is, of course, how long will this smashing success last for video games? The last line of the GameZilla Podcast. Welcome to the GameZilla Podcast, your last line of defense in major gaming news. I'm your host, Grim, and with me in the GameZilla Media Studios, according to this document, producer, co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, Butterboy. That statement is maybe the truest been it's been in about two years, because... I was sick and tired of Grim always big leaguing me with his office and his desk while I'm in my living room on a folding table in an antique chair. So I went out and bought myself a desk and occupied an entire room of my house that I can dedicate to speaking into a microphone to you every single week. And uh, it's a stand-up desk. I'm standing up right now. I'm feeling the energy flow from my toes all the way up into the mic and everyone can hear it i'm the real deal now i'm legit so now there is a second gamezilla media studios okay there you go games we'll call it gamezilla north because i live three <laughs> miles north of you perfect. four miles north. <laughs> perfect all right well welcome to episode 361 of the gamezilla podcast your elite free dlc for all your gaming news and uh, as always, we like to start the episode off by thanking our patrons. Yeah, thank you so much to all of our patrons. Uh, it's really important that you continue to contribute to our Patreon because there's no better way to keep Grim from big league and me than supporting us on Patreon. Because otherwise, uh, you know, he'll he'll, uh, he'll end up finding other ways to big league me. But your financial support is what keeps me on his level. And that's really important. So please consider joining our Patreon if you aren't already a patron, because we got we got hot stuff coming to Patreon, including the live stage where you can listen to the recording of the GameZilla podcast in our GameZilla Media Discord. It's a great place to be, hang out, and hey, you can chime in, uh, interact a little bit. You can even help us out, do some fact checking for us. We love all that kind of stuff. We've had some great support the first couple of weeks. We've had the live stage open and we encourage you to be here. So become a patron, get in the live stage, have some fun. And we got muster bus for January dropping this week. So listen to it so you don't get big leagued. <laughs> Man, big I, league forgot to, I forgot to tell you, I went out and I bought four of the desks that you just bought and I created <laughs> mega desk. <laughs> Not only do I, not only am I standing while I do this show, but I'm actually standing on top of one of the desks just to get to the other desk that's taller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. No big deal. The only way, the only way to keep me on Grimm's level is for more people to sign up for Patreon, so that keeps my (laughs) ego boosted because he's just gonna keep big leaguing me. Everybody, honestly, I'm surprised he hasn't just bought my house out from under me and taken it over to big league me. Uh, working on it, working on it, but we'll see. You're working on it. That's yep. concerning. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Just uh, you know, when you get the phone call, just know just know what's going down. All right, but uh, yeah. Anyways, we uh, we got a show for you today, and uh, if it's coming from Mega Desk or Puny Desk over there from Butterboy, either way, it's going to be some good content. So thank you to all of our patrons for supporting this great show, and always uh, you know keep letting us uh, keep doing this uh, this show, this uh, Gamezilla Media, and just having a really good time creating content for you guys so this week 
we got a couple topics that we wanted to focus on. We're going to start with E3 2022 uh, announcing that they will be online only following COVID-19 surges. So if you uh, if you've forgotten E3 a couple of years ago uh, was falling, you know, pre-pandemic was was really falling apart. Uh, a lot of your big names were pulling out of the show and E3 had basically said that they were going to reinvent themselves, basically. You know, try to try to improve the situation. Uh, there was a lot of issues where people were grandfathered into pricing that the, uh, the, peop- the you know, the show operators were not, uh, you know, not sticking to those prices and trying to gouge them. And, and so we saw, you know, we saw people like uh, Sony stop showing up, uh, Microsoft going across the street and renting out their own theater, you know, a lot of different things that were happening. So they basically said, we are going to cancel E3 and then we're going to come back stronger than ever. And then we met COVID, and uh, we haven't really had a normal E3 since then. We we had a uh, an online type E3, well, you know, the, the, these last uh, God has it really been t- like two years, right? We had a we had like a a weird E3 in twenty was it the twenty twenty the one that got canceled straight out, and then twenty twenty one we had an online like situation. Yeah, because 2020 was the that was three months into, you know, peak wave one of COVID. So everything didn't exist in in any sort of way. Exactly. Uh, And then last year we did have the online one. And again, we saw some things and events sort of open up last summer leading into this fall. And now we're seeing this new surge of the new variant that's got us all uh, back locked up again. So it's it's a shame. It's a shame because things seem like they are going the right direction in this uh latest variant uh seems to really be breaking through the vaccine pretty easily so it's it's a it's a bummer for for gaming fans for sure yeah so e3 which is one of your largest video game trade shows of the year uh will once again be online only event this summer the esa has announced citing ongoing concerns around the covid19 pandemic um the news first broke um which was in, uh, by venturebeat and marks the third year in a row that E3 will be will have skipped its in-person event due to pandemic. Uh, the quote goes on to say, due to the ongoing health risks surrounding COVID-19 and its potential impact on the safety of exhibitors and attendees, E3 will be held in uh, wait will not be held in person in 2022. The ESA commented in a statement, uh, "We are nonetheless excited about the future of E3 and look forward to announcing more details soon." Uh, with uh, because the ESA had originally planned to bring back E3 as an in-person conference in 2022, which was announced in April of 2021, and um, yeah, that's uh, it's about where we're at. So, <clears throat> with the onset of the Omicron variant and case numbers surging in the United States, the ESA appears to have decided that it's not worth the risk of hosting a conference packed with thousands of journalists, game developers, and fans this summer. <clears throat> well, yeah, it's all, it's all about the optics of it, right? Because yeah. if thousands of people show up and hundreds of people get sick, like it, it's a bad look. Yeah. I mean, so th- the big thing here is the reason why like this news doesn't surprise people, right? We're, we're used to hearing things get canceled left and right uh, over the last several years. But 
I just sat back and I, I saw this article and I had just finished talking to my wife about the before times, right? Like that's what we call them. That's what we joke about. But it really, it does really feel like we live in a, in a different world and we do to, to some extent. But I was thinking about like this time of year right now, like, like this week, I'd be in San Antonio every year going to pack South you know, enjoying some warm weather, getting 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 a bunch of video game you know footage and and con- content and having a great time. Um, and it's been long enough, and it's been so fractured that I like. It just feels like another world that I used to live in. Feels like it like like this is like we're living on a different planet now. And we were talking about it, and I'm just like, I don't know, like. When, when am I going to be able to go to a PAX, you know, again? I mean, we've already lost PAX South. They basically just said it's not coming back ever again. Um, you know, and now here, here we go. E3's, E3's not going to be able to have their in-person this year. And just, it just, it's, even if they did, you know, like I, I brought up another article for, to talk about this where it's like, there was uh, just just recently there was a um, music festival called Super Mag Fest, uh, which was held in person uh, in National Harbor, Maryland. The organi- organizers of that event have announced that several dozen attendees later tested positive for coronavirus, and now the numbers are climbing into the 6070 uh, area of attendees that are that are declaring that they uh, caught caught the uh, the virus uh, at the event. And it's just like, I don't know, you know, for people like me that are high risk, like you, you just look at these things and I go, well, I can't take the chance as much as I want to, as much as even if with all the guidelines that they're putting in place, this, this particular event, you had to have your vaccination. You had to wear a mask. Like you had to, you know, you had to show your vaccination cards, you know, all the, they were putting in all the guidelines that they, that they, you know, possibly could to, to some extent. And, um, and there you have it. You know, they still have the outbreak that happened. So it's just, it's never ending. And it's, it's super, such a bummer because I always remember telling people, they're like, oh, I've never been to a PAX. Or I've never been to a, you know, a gaming convention and, and like how unique it is and how much fun it was. And, and like, it started, it started me thinking about things of like how as, as a, as a human race, things are so different right now. And it's like, I used to, you know, we'd walk up to a convenience store and someone walked behind me and I'd just grab the door and I'd hold it open for them. And most, you know, most of the time, I mean, there's assholes out there, but most of the time someone would look at me and smile and say, thank you. And like, there was just like, like, I feel like when the pandemic started, we all came together and we all tried to like, you know, that whole, that moment where we're like, it's just going to be a couple weeks, guys, it's just going to be 14 days and then we'll be all right. You know, we just got to, we just got to cut the curve. You know, we got to, we got to just help, help out. And I remember people driving up and down my street on four wheelers with, with, you know, basically building floats out of their, out of their four wheelers, just driving down and yelling just to celebrate and keep people, you know, put a, put a smile on someone's face and all that stuff was happening. And then like, you know, months went by and you could see the shift where people were tired of it and all that went away. And hatred just started building and, 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 you know, 
sides started being taken and vaccination was finally available. And then the, the you know, that got, that got politicized, just, just turned political, of course. And everything that happened, just like it's, it's just getting worse and worse, even though, you know, you want to sit there and say, well, you know, this variant isn't as deadly, you know, and, and people are vaccinated and the people that do get sick, you know, that are vaccinated generally have like a head cold and then they're over it. And like, right. So like, in the grand scheme of things where we were just putting people in body bags earlier to now where we're, we're surviving it and we're finding better ways to treat it and we're doing these things. But yet I feel like the world and the way that we were used to living and, and the things that we want to do are still getting worse. And that terrifies me. And E3 is one of, for me, E3 is one of those things. It's that staple. It's that event that like defines a moment in my year around an industry that I care about. And we still get one. We're going to have an online presence of some sort. It'll still be there, but like, it's not the same, you know? And like, in my mind, I can't project when I'm, if and when I'm going to be able to go to a PAX West or a PAX East or, or anything. And that is, uh, it's like crippling almost in the sense of just like, we're also in winter here in Michigan. So like in the sense of like depression, right. And just like getting down on yourself and, and the world and everything around you when you're just frustrated, you know, and it's like, I had to reschedule my indoor golf league this week because, you know, my teammate wasn't feeling well and we didn't want to take a chance. It's just like, it's things like that. that I'm just like, this is never going to end. And uh, it's, hard. it's hard when the things you look forward to over the last two years, we've had small things to look forward to. And they still, they still keep falling through on us. Like you remember how devastated I was the multiple times that my trip to Europe, obviously that's a big thing, but like the devastation of dealing with that being canceled now in hindsight, I've been back for three months. It's crazy. I even got to go at all because if we were dealing with the, what we're dealing with right now in October, there's no way I would have been able to go. So it's it's always that next thing and we have to just like really embrace and love the things that we do get to do and it makes it hard to have hope or look forward to anything moving forward because so many things have been snatched away from us or given to us in a half measure like we're talking about with this this online E3 it's better than getting nothing but man it still sucks. And every, and like E3, something to look forward to for months. We spend months being excited about E3 because we're game video game fans. Yep. And who knows what this could even result in, you know, again, with it being online and digital, again, there still could be significant changes to the way we can experience and the way it affects us. And yeah. So like little things like having to reschedule your golf game or, you know, i I'm I'm going out of town this weekend. I'm not doing some of the things I was planning on doing because of it. And it's tough. And we're seeing like how many video games should have we already had in our hands yep. that the problems due to the pandemic have caused delays. That's not on the develop. Like it just is what it is. Well, yeah, it's it no sucks. one's right. It's it no one's sucks. fault. Right. Exactly. And we're all burned out on disappointment. Two years of constant disappointment across every aspect of our lives. Like that's, that's something that's really weighing hard on a lot of people is just the perpetual letdowns yeah. and it never seems like there's a way out. And for us playing games has been the closest thing we can get on a daily basis, like oh, logging yeah. in and getting some drops on Fortnite 
is consistent. COVID hasn't canceled that from us. It's it's taken away some of the new releases we've wanted to play now, but it, like we still have that as a little thing to grab onto. So, like I don't know where I would be if there wasn't gaming through this whole thing because it was such an outlet for me. But at the same time, I also wonder where the gaming industry would be right now if it did, hasn't basically been its growth stunted for two years, you know, and you could say that about anything, you know, like a lot of these industries, a lot of these companies have, have had growth, you know, have had issues with growth and, and just uh, some of them haven't even, some of them didn't make it out of it. They, you know, they closed shop, but I, um, I don't know. Like you, you talk about like having to cancel my, my golf event and stuff like that. And it's like, that's like the one thing I look forward to every week. Right. Like that, that is outside of my house. Like I look forward to many things. Like I like playing games with my friends and I like to stream and stuff like that. You know, those are all really good moments for me. But like the one thing where I, where I leave the house and I choose to take a chance knowing that there are other people in that building, you know, and I couldn't even do that this week. And it's just like, you know, it, it, it's just getting like, it's gotten too. It's gotten old for some people already. I think I'm finally getting to that point where I'm like, oh my god, this is just getting so overdone. It's just I'm just tired. And to see the announcement today around around the E3 announcement, I was just like, really? I mean, it doesn't surprise me with the way things are going. And then and then of course, like everyone's like, yeah, but the, but you know, this variant's not as deadly, and pretty soon everyone will have it. You know, and and all this stuff. And it's like, right, but then like, what about the next one? You know, everyone wants to sit there and be like, oh, well, this is going to move into an endemic state and then we'll actually be able to do things again. I'm like, right. You know, but what happens if like, ne- like we're all just assuming, like I've actually shifted my mindset where I'm trying to think about the worst side of it. So that way I don't get completely blown out of the water when it does happen. But I'm like, what happens when the next variant hits and it's worse? Yeah. You know, like that's the thing that like people refuse to like talk about. Instead, they're like, oh, well, you know, once we get through this, it's like, yeah, but we said that about Delta. And before Delta, we said that about the original. (laughs) And like, you guys, like, I think people just say things so that they can hear it, so they can feel better. But like, it's, it's like, it's not proven. It's just them saying things that, that aren't necessarily true so that they can feel better about it. And I'm like, right. But then like, your cruise gets canceled. Your vacation gets canceled. Your this this event that you wanted to go to gets canceled. Things get so bad that you're afraid to go to the movie theaters again. You know, like it's just things like that where it's like I went to the movies and I saw Ghostbusters and like it was like it was like a liberating moment. I was just like, wow, this is great. And then like <laughs> literally the next week was when things kind of blew up around here. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, I guess I'm not gonna go see Spider Man. And I had to and I basically like Saw Spider-Man at the very last possible ability that I could within the type of theater that I wanted, which was a Dolby theater. And thankfully, I was able to find them, you know, a weekday and a random time where there was three people in the theater, you know. But like, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just. T- I'm I'm over it. I'm done with it. I'm frustrated, and I figured this would be a way for me to vent a little bit on the show talk about e3 hopefully 
This time around, they learned from last year. Not that last year's online show was bad, but like hopefully they learned and are able to provide us with more of a um, interactive experience versus just a you know a show to watch. Um, you know that's that's the challenge I think for a lot of these companies right now is that how can we evolve in the digital world to allow fans, journalists, whatever, a interact a, a more interactive experience into their show. You know, that's and and I don't necessarily have a, a full answer to that other other than like some sort of cool like a lot of people one of the hottest items this Christmas was the VR headsets. So like team up with Oculus and and get some some cool tech where you know the sh- that where we're able to like go do something and control something within with you know within the bu- a building or something like that. I don't know. Get get me more immersed into something versus just watching a presentation and being like, all right, well that was E three. I mean, we're we're still in the early stages of something like this, but I mean, we're, futuristically, we're looking at like a metaverse type thing. Metaverse, where- yeah. We could, yeah, VR, avatars, be in a shared digital space, enjoying these presentations instead of it just being a slideshow and a highlight reel on a screen. Uh, Who knows? Maybe something that could be available for us next year, the year after, you know, even as an alternative, even if there is in-person E3, how cool would it be if they had VR cameras set up? So you could VR headset and be in the audience in the theater. Like things like that will happen. And I know that that is one thing that the pandemic has pushed forward that thinking and that mindset in people that that are tech trendsetters. So we can at least be thankful that we could have something like that in the future. It would just be really, really cool if there was some sort of metaverse digital space created for this by june i just don't see that happen but even if it was like a little thing where we could log in have an avatar and somehow like interact while the presentation is happening that'd be super cool yeah and i mean that's like that that's already something that does exist and early last year i did a charity event with cs Mott children's hospital and we teamed up with dreamhack and it was um and so we did this dream hack beyond it was called, it was an online only event and they created a whole virtual world. Like, like when you go to a convention, you get a map, right? And like, it shows you like the convention center where everybody's at, like they made a virtual convention center and like gave people booths and then created digital maps and stuff. And what it was is that you could explore the fake convention center and then you would click on the booths and they would show you like, the schedule of events for that particular company or, or person. And so it, it was the first attempt at it and it was a little shaky, but it was the idea that like, it was just that little bit of extra to, to try to create an experience that someone could be excited about versus again, just being like, well, I could just go to YouTube and watch Microsoft present what they're going to present. And then that's my E3, you know? So I don't know. I'm hoping, you know, obviously we got some details that are going to be coming out here relatively soon. Um, this is just the initial announcement, but they have a lot more coming and hopefully they were able to team up with these, with these different companies and, and create some unique experiences so that we can have what used to feel like a week long, 
you know, epic event. I feel like last year was like you watched your couple presentations and then you basically called that E3. There wasn't the feel that it was that, that there were things happening every day. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But let us know what you think about the announcement E3 is going to be doing uh, online only presentation again this year, third year in a row. And, um, you know, share some of your, I know they're most of them, the disappointments, but share some of your uh, um, disappointments and things that you wish you could do right now. And, and, or, or maybe some of your, um, you know, exciting moments, uh, like how I've shared with streaming and things like that. Uh, get into the discord, go into the games, all podcast channel and, let us know your thoughts on this topic. Yeah, get in here. All right, so our next topic is Microsoft has announced that the Xbox One is officially dead. So at the end of 2020, the Microsoft put their la- the last Xbox One device end of life. And it is official now that there are no Xbox Ones in many, uh, being in, in production, uh, the Xbox One is officially dead, and the um, Xbox One S was actually the last um, system to be manufactured, and that ended at the uh, the very end of of uh, twenty uh, twenty twenty. Actually, it's saying at the end of twenty twenty. Is that true? Let's see here. Maybe, uh, Xbox, Maybe they just had stock yeah. of them. I think they it was stock, stock, yeah. Xbox so they Series. they stopped making them a year ago, and now we're... Yeah, in the final months of 2020. I was, I, I was like, looking at this thinking 2021, but now I'm realizing, wait, that's a, that's further, longer, longer uh, time than I was thinking. Um, so, yeah, to focus on production of Xbox Series X and S, we stopped production of the Xbox One consoles by the end of 2020. Um, so this is just... The Cindy Walker, Senior Director of Xbox Console Product Marketing, uh, talking to The Verge. So, yeah. They're just the, making that announcement that they stopped making them a year ago and yeah, no one noticed. Yeah, you know? I, think, I think that's pretty much it, is that there was still, there was still inventory, so people, uh, people didn't even think about it, but... Um, wow. Well, that kind of like, kind of takes a little bit of uh, oomph out of this topic, because it's been, they've been done for a while, but I, I mean... Well, it, it does and it doesn't. So, obviously, our favorite thing to do when we're talking about Xbox is compare them to what uh, PlayStation's doing. And it was announced this week that they've ramped up production of the slim model, not the pro model, the slim model PS4 to try to compensate for PS5 shortages. Like, yeah. that seems nutty to me. That they're doing the opposite. You know, Microsoft's like, yeah, okay. We're done with the one. Let's move on. Focus fo- solely on the new the new systems. And Sony's like, whoa, let's let's crank out some more fours, stock fours, not even the pros. <laughs> well, that's nuts to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, I think I, I saw the article about that. Uh, yeah, and where they ramped up the production, um, but they also said that no one's buying them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I honestly have no idea who would rush out to buy a stock PS4 right now. If we're talking used, secondhand, you you didn't have one, you're just catching up, or you were an Xbox fan, and you want a PS4 to play the the exclusives, and you're getting one for 
$115 or something like that's that that's what I just bit my tongue really hard. Um, that's what you should be doing right now with these. Again, we're a whole year into the new generation, last generation system. So the thought that someone's going to come and pay like uh, $250, $300 for a slim PS4, I don't even know what they would go for right now at the store uh, is crazy. Yeah, so it looks like this actually got brought up because of the um, ramp up production of the PlayStation 4. So that's kind of funny that that you that you mentioned that. So the this news kind of getting pulled up. The other funny thing is this article that we're pulling from, which was by um, uh, Ari Natis. The and, and they 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 titled it "The Xbox One Is Officially Dead," and then they literally said it will not be missed. And talking about how the Xbox One sucked, like that's what they that's word for word what they said. Um, Harsh. And like, you know, so since we don't have as much to talk about how it's it's end of life, because we it is now, um, I think it's interesting because, you know, you're getting a lot of people that are defending it in the in the comments. And they're like, uh, yeah, the console that brought us Game Pass sucked, question mark. Like, this has been my primary gaming machine for the last seven years between Game Pass and cloud gaming. I'm in no hurry to update to the Series X. Like, a lot of people are like, what, like, Take your take your uh, what was it? How do they say? Uh, so take your Xbox One suck comment, turn it sideways, and cram it up your keister. Uh, <laughs> comes from another comment, and it's just like, yeah, such a hard take on this. Um, as 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 we're saying goodbye to the to the Xbox One era. Um, it also tells us that if the production ended in 2020, uh, the very end of 2020. Then and they and they promised you know dual support for multiple years. We're we're going into 2022. We're going we're we're starting to get into that point where we start to question how many more games are going to support both sides, right? Yeah, and I think what what I've been very curious about since they've rolled out the cloud gaming to consoles is how much moving forward is that last generation support. <laughs> going to be hey you can stream this game from game pass like i i honestly wonder how much further out we are gonna go before we start seeing those series x x s and x and then cloud exclusives that you can't install and run it off the stock because good god the stock xbox one we're not talking the slim which had a little, little bit of a boosty to it the thought the thought of running some of these games <laughs> installed on an og xbox one is a wild thought because I could almost understand if this dude who wrote this article was like, yeah, I bought a stock Xbox one at launch. That thing was a disaster. Good riddance. And like, didn't even take into account the growth and the evolution that that system had over its life in comparison to the PlayStation that evolved very little other than adding a virtual reality headset. Um, it, it was a game-changing system that set us up for the future of gaming we have now. So I get it if, if you look at it through the lens of what, when did, it, when did it come out? 2014? Is that when the original, was that when that generation started? Or was it 2013? Regardless, somewhere around there. Yeah, right around there, yep. Okay, sure. You play, you, within the first year of that system's life, if, if you put heat on it, that's fine, but it, it grew into being, especially the, the the when the S models came out, those were like not those were nice systems. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it's a it's a hard take on it for sure, and uh, I think it was 2013. I think you were right. Um, yeah. 
from its 2013 announcement. So maybe it was 2014 when it launched. I can't remember, but yeah. but yeah, um, you know, like the the original was rough. the the re, the remodel and and revamp and honestly restructure of Xbox as a brand within the Microsoft realm was all re, redone. I mean, you know, Phil Spencer came in and 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 took took over that that dumpster fire and built something that even this even this you know article states that that Xbox One was just a beta test for the series. Well, in that case, if you're sitting here praising the series X and S, then you have to give Xbox One some credit because it was a successful beta then. You know like and the big question is is that every year Xbox got better. I honestly believe you can say that. You know, through the through the Xbox One like era, like maybe early on it was very minimal, but like every year, you know, when when the S came out and then the One X and then and all these things came out, like the the systems just got better, they're more powerful. The game Game Pass just you know Game Pass launched and, and showed us a new way that we could game. You know, um, um, Project X Cloud, which now is just built into built into Game Pass showed us that that game streaming was something that was actually doable and and that you could enjoy you know and so it's just like i'm not sure where your hatred for anything comes from cuz cuz the one series the xbox one series was the test the test realm for all of that that we enjoy and we did enjoy it before the series came out the series just made it better so yeah, because that's one thing that's maybe it, it for sure could be someone's critique on this current generation from Xbox is there since there hasn't been software wise a generation break and there isn't a generation break through interface and there's barely a generation break which through controller like like this really does feel like the Xbox One 2.0. Right. souped up you know especially if you look at the series s like that's really what it is and i can see if that's someone's critique like hey like xbox didn't evolve enough in a generational change but obviously that was their goal their goal was to seamlessly evolve the xbox brand and it not be one giant leap playstation was absolutely trying to make a big jump and be like boom here's playstation 5 where the Xbox series system was a more subtle and gradual inclination, like power wise and everything spec wise. Yes. But the actual change over it's not, it's not like have being dumped, having a splash of cold water dumped on you, like going from a PlayStation four to a PlayStation five, because everything feels new. This just feels like Xbox at the highest level. So again, I can still understand if that was part of his critique or not seeing that. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it, the it's, thing it's to a point, bad take overall. I, yeah, and I think the thing to point out more about like power and specs and all this stuff, right, is that like Xbox, I think, realized that though their system was going to become more powerful and things like frame rate were going to increase and 4K was going to be more prominent, you know, 8K was a possibility down the road, things like that. That's all great. But let's be honest, we're in this realm of games right now where even just even doubling your your power your, your ability to you know your power output, your graphic fidelity output, whatever you want to look at, however you want to look at it, 
doesn't really change games. Okay, we're not talking like where we're jumping from uh, 16-bit to Nintendo 64 or 32-bit to Nintendo 64, right? Like, we're not talking about the fact that we were used to 2D games for the most part and then we got a 3D, op- you know, 3D world in Mario 64 or something like that. Like, the leaps and gap and, and these, these just giant gaps that, that were made throughout the generations don't seem as big right now. You know, when you play... Um, what's the game I'm going to pick? When you play ra- the latest Ratchet and Clank, right? And then you go play previous ratchet clanks from ps4 or ps3 sure there is a there is an improvement but i think it all lives around solid state fast solid state storage that's the biggest change that everybody is affected by and 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 some don't even realize it until they go back and they're like oh my god these load screens oh my god like why is this stuff taking so long you know, because and then they realize they've they've they adjusted so quickly to to the storage capabilities of of this current gen now. Sure, your graphics can look good and stuff, and but like I don't know when you put we talked about Forza Horizon Five and how pretty it looks, but when you put it yeah. next to Forza Horizon Four, it Forza Horizon Four is still really pretty. Yeah, is there a difference when I sit there and I look at the grass and the way it moves and stuff? Sure. But is it day and night? No. And so that's that's one of the things that I'm sitting here looking at, and I'm like, well, Microsoft got it from Xbox One era, and they built the Xbox One X, the most powerful console ever, and then they just made the new Xbox One X. They called it the Series X, and they made it the, the, the newest, most powerful console ever. And the idea was, though developers will have more capabilities to do things in all reality it's it is just 2.0 right it does it is just a facelift in a way it's not a complete overhaul and i think playstation 5 in the grand scheme of the specs of the of the hardware for the system itself is similar but i think like they decided to go and say well we're gonna we're gonna literally drop the dual shock and make the dual sense right and and like so with and we are making psvr 2 and we are trying to do these things. So like they are being maybe more, maybe they are in the, in the grand scheme. When we look at this generation, we're going to sit there and say, Sony went, you know, they gambled more. They went for it. Um, here's where they succeeded. Here's where they fell short on those particular aspects. Like we talked about PSVR two and our concerns uh, last week, but where Microsoft is playing safe and just building on success and building on what they, what they know is going to work versus taking chances. And so um, neither one is right or wrong in the grand scheme of it. But when you look at like the previous generation and you say that the, the Xbox one lost that, you know, they it lost that war, which, you know, it, it, I think it's pretty easy to say off of unit sales even though Microsoft doesn't re- publicly report their unit sales, analysts create estimates based off of users' uh, Xbox Gold and Game Pass subscriptions and different ways that they can kind of kind of factor into how many units are, are out there type deal. PlayStation 4 blew the doors off of Xbox. And I think near the end of that generation, Xbox had a lot of momentum and probably closed that gap a little bit. But... 
the idea was is that they built that momentum, they built that foundation, they built those systems all on the Xbox One that they knew day one would work flawlessly on the series. I think it's what makes it easier for Microsoft to have a year ago dropped production on the Xbox One line because it's a it is a seamless transition where again Sony is still trying to position the PlayStation 5 as that leap where Microsoft's like cool we can let go of our old hardware because we want it to be just a seamless transition into the new hardware where you know there's no there's no reason for them to make the old hardware because you you can do everything you can do on an Xbox 1 it all still is fine and dandy and just fully integrated in the Xbox series systems. Where again, that's not the same with what Sony's plan is. Right. So and it's, they, have, they have to string along the four a little longer. Yeah. And it's in the same example of, of a smart idea of the one is like, can't find a series X right now. Maybe, maybe you don't want a series S or, or, and they, or they are semi hard to find, not as hard as the series X, but the series S Maybe you can't get either one, but you have an Xbox One. Guess what? You still could play the new Halo. Yeah. You know, you can't do that with the Ratchet and Clank that I just brought up. You have to have a PS5. True. You know, so it's just stuff like that that, like, you you have to give credit to the infrastructure that Microsoft built with the one generation for the series generation and whatever comes after that, that they're, that they're, I'm assuming they're just going to continue going down this road of creating a cohesive environment that, that can just be tapped into instead of we've talked about time and time again, where Sony has been plagued by ancient infrastructures that they need to upgrade, but, but compatibility has been causing problems and problems and problems. And so hopefully, you know, hopefully that, um, Maybe this generation's where because because there is talks of you know they have changed some things and they have revamped some things and they did invest into Azure you know back end um, for for Sony and so maybe this is the beginning of them trying to build that infrastructure that can be more just generationally shared uh, as time goes on so that they don't have as many obstacles to you know to hurdle but um, you know to sit here and to sit here and you know, shit on the one series, you know, lifespan, the Xbox one era. And, but then sit there and talk well of the series X series S, you know, even though we're only a year into it era is it just, it's just stupid. I mean, it really is like, why, what, what take is that? That you, that you literally can't, you can't see the foundation that was built years ago during that era that you're calling that you said sucked. That you said was was god awful. So, anyways, what's your? We want to hear you guys again on in the just join the Discord, hop into the Gamezilla podcast channel, talk to us about the uh, the Xbox One being officially officially dead. The uh, any Xbox One uh, device that you still can find um, is just leftover leftover inventory at this point. Xboxes, Microsoft's not producing anything new. Where Sony is producing. Uh, has decided to produce PS4s to hopefully hold people over that want a PS5. Um, I don't, th- I don't think that's that's the that's the workaround at all. But um, you know, I think that's actually 
before I close this out, I think that's actually a, a stu- that's the stupid idea here. Like you want to sit there and call call the the Xbox One era stu- sucky. I think the sucky thing is that Sony's going to sit there and produce PS4s that they know people don't want. And like, what's yeah. like, I buy a PS4, and then the next week, all of a sudden, like, there's a PS5 available. But I, but I, but I'm somebody that doesn't have, you know, unlimited resources. So all of a sudden, it's like, well, I can't afford the PS5 now. You know, like, I just to me, it's silly too because guess what? Guess what is required to make a PS4? Some of the materials that you're having a hard time getting to build a PS5. So you're still you're still using some of those those materials. That could be used for PS5 production. Silicon, silicon, like it, that's all there is to it. You know, capa- yeah, be, capacitors are capacitors. <laughs> if this story was Sony is aggressively pushing out their back catalog of you know part, like they're working through their inventory to get as many PlayStation fours out as possible, um, because they already have the components built. If if that if that was a detail that was clued in on us like okay it's different if like sony's just rushing to get these put together and put out because they already had all of the parts built it's a it's a matter of assembly and shipping like that's a different story but this this led me to believe that it's like part of their strategy they're like well we can't get them fives let's let's keep going on the four like it just it doesn't it doesn't add up to me yeah, and it says the PS4's components are more readily available and the console is less expensive both for Sony to make and for customers to purchase. But so so Sony has decided to continue producing PS4s through 2022. And like I get it, like the uh you know shortages for the PS5 um and they call it chip shortages and stuff but again like unless unless these chips that they're putting in the ps4s are already made you know and then that's the case like okay but like if you're manufacturing additional chips and they're just oh they well they require less this and less that so we can make it but what like the resources that still it still takes to manufacture that chip is still using materials that you the material side of it is what i'm focusing on can be used to produce your new system. And that's that's the part where I just don't get it. Like to me what it sounds like is you don't like having shelves that are empty. And so you're just trying to throw something in there that has the name Sony on it. Because there's no one that's demanding a PS5 that is stupid enough to buy a PS4. I'm sorry, there's just not. If I wanted a PS5, there's a specific reason I want a PS5 and it's probably called Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo, Ratchet and Clank, you know, those, um, Sp- well, Spider-Man and Miles Morales is a bad example because you can get that on PS4. But, like, those games that, like, they don't exist on the PS4, so you making a PS4 for me to buy does nothing for me. Also, I still own my PS4, so, like, how many people still have their PS4? How many people really even need you to produce a PS4? It's not like it was a system that was hard to find prior to the pandemic or right. a system that was hard to find le- into the pandemic. It's, it's really confusing. And there's, there's over a hundred million of these out there. It's, uh, and, and okay. So you have to think about that. We have whatever it is, 13 million globally people that have upgraded to the PlayStation five, which to me says there's probably plenty of PlayStation fours available on the secondary market. What, what I honestly need to do 
is walk my ass into a GameStop and be like, hey, y'all got used PS4s? And then if they're like, no, then then okay, everything we said today was stupid. But I guess that's probably not the case. Yeah, and I and I will stand corrected on on my one comment. Horizon Forbidden West is is going to be available for both consoles, I guess. So. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so so I guess that would be something I could play on my PS4. But but again, I played. I I I went into this game, into this announcement of this game, into you know as the idea that that this was going to be my experience on the PS5. That's how I want to I want to experience it. So, you know, and the same thing with God of War Ragnarok, people, you know, that that's going to be playable on both sides. I'm again, I'm going to play I'm I'm going to want to play God of War Ragnarok on the PS5 experience. You know, you're the one that toted the DualSense to be the next the next generation of controllers. That how much better it was it was versus the versus the DualShock and all those things and now you're basically telling me, "Well, we can't get you that system, so just go back to the old stuff." And buy and, and and pay us money for it, and it's just like, you know, now uh, if you wanted to play the Demon Souls Remaster, um, Returnal, Ratchet and Clank Ripped Apart, and Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, uh, Intergrade, which I think is part two of the remake or something like that, um, those are those are exclusive to the PS5, you know, so like those, those so a PS4 is not even going to help you with that, and as we move forward because of the because of the the shortages. You know, our first party PlayStation companies trying to like plan a dual release that maybe they weren't planning to do, you know, and how does that affect the the game? You know, how does that affect uh you know the, the quality of the game and, and stuff like that uh as we go on? Because we you know, we've seen time and time again games that were gonna be cross play and the struggle that we that they had to to give the same level of, of quality to everybody on the different levels of platforms. You know, I'm looking at you, Cyberpunk, and, and even Halo Infinite has has struggled where people that were on the original, original uh Xbox One, uh the gameplay the gameplay just isn't isn't stellar. You know, so I don't you know. I, I I told you when I texted you this week because so I set up my PlayStation 4 in my in my newly set up office here because we know I have the Xbox hooked up to the main TV in the back room where I do most of my gaming. But I was like, oh well, I'm setting up an office. I'll set up this TV and I'll hook up the PS4. Which let's be honest, in the last year since getting the Xbox, I've maybe played four total hours of PlayStation 4. Like completely switched over to playing the Xbox, but I've played the PS4 more in the last week having it here in my office than I did in the last year. So I went and reinstalled Fortnite so I could play it when we're in our long pouring meetings. Right. And stock PS4 Fortnite looks and runs like ass and it's Fortnite, a game you can play on a phone. And it's horrendous on the stock PS4. So I'm with you. And we're talking about them ramping up stock, again, production of the stock PS4s. There's a gap. There's a problem. I wouldn't be trying to play God of War or Horizon on on a on a PS4. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, a game that was primarily built for this, for the next gen. And now, now you're basically being told, well, you know, check it out. You know, if you can't get a hold of a PS5, then check it out on the PS4. And it's just like, no, I don't, I'm not going to do that. It's the same reason why I honestly haven't revisited Cyberpunk, even after all the patches and everything. It's like I bought it to try to get this next-gen experience, and maybe that's when I'll check it out when you finally when you finally provide me with that. 
um, you know, that situation. This is actually the same thing with with Halo Infinite campaign. I haven't I haven't touched the Halo Infinite campaign because I was upset that you didn't have co-op ready at launch for the campaign, which is just how I've how I've played all the Halo campaigns. And so I'm just waiting. You know, like I'm fine. I'm fine waiting. I don't need to go buy your PS4 and and a and a lesser, you know, watered down version of your game, you know, to to get by. You know, like I'm not gonna do that. And I don't. I I, I honestly wouldn't recommend anybody doing that. Uh, when it comes to it, like just just wait. You know, make make Sony have to figure it out. Like you know, like and shortages are shortages, but like you gotta like there's gotta be a better answer than oh we're gonna produce more PS4s for you than and because we can't get PS5s done, create or, or manufactured. I'm like yeah. If, if you're a Sony fan wanting to get your hands on a PS5, this would be the most frustrating news you'd hear in a long time. Yeah. And it's just funny because you don't really hear that on the Xbox side because and and, it, and the Xbox One X is sorry an Xbox Series X is just as I don't want to say just as difficult almost as difficult to get as a PS5, but because of the series the Series S being being a thing, like there's that there's a get. there's a buffer right and like I think we talked about it when they when they first announced it you're like the series s doesn't i don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense i'm not really sure who that's being made for and you know now fast forward through pandemic and shortages and everything and we're like oh wow look at that people can jump into the you know current gen infrastructure with this with this lesser system and then when the day comes where they can get a hold of a series you know a series x the advantage is that your series s is still current gen so it actually still has some value so if you wanted to move it, move move away from it, you could, or it's that nice little system that could just be that secondary Xbox in, in another room for you. So I had one right now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So I don't know. I think um, overall, I think the article was just a was a a bad a bad take on the overall situation of the of the one Xbox One era. And then as far as like the revamp of the PlayStation uh, or not revamp, but the, the in- increased production of the PS4 where they had originally planned to at this point be um, discontinuing that system. Uh, instead, they're going to go and manufacture it through 2022. It just, uh, I don't know. I, I would have been, been more on board with them actually discontinuing it and and then because of it saying we're going to take all the resources that we had left over from PS4 production we're going to put it towards our PS5 production it's going to increase it, our PS5 production by 3% and we'll be able you know we'll be able to put out some more systems that way and like and, and at least people still might be upset because the demand is still higher than than supply but at least at that point you could look at Sony and say well they're they're taking the resources and they're they're allocating them in the right direction. But again, let us know what you think in the discord, um, talking about the, um, the Xbox one era. And according to this article, uh, through Kotaku, the, um, the Xbox one era was, uh, was sucked and was not, wasn't good at all. And was just a giant beta test for the series era. And, um, yeah, it was a real negative take on it, which I thought was kind of silly, but 
interested in what you think. Interested in what you think about Sony's decision to uh, re- to ramp up their production of their of their PlayStation fours, and you can talk about all of that in the Discord Gamezilla podcast channel. Our last topic uh, today is going to be brought to you by Butterboy, so we're going to hand it over to him. and And what do you got? That was my buttery sound. That was revolting. So. It's uh, this, who knows this this story could end up being sort of a, a side tangent off of what we were just discussing. Uh, we know that Sony has been in the works to increase the viability and offering of their online services to compete with the very popular Xbox Game Pass. So they recently pulled. Uh, the prepaid uh, PlayStation Now cards from store shelves in the UK. So this is this could be a trend that we continue to see happening uh, in other countries. I, I I really think it is they're they're changing their services. Just like we saw Xbox pull all the prepaid gold cards, you know, like a year ago or whatever, because they weren't offering it. They did talk about revamping it, and then there was fan backlash and. That was, that's a whole nother thing, but we've seen this sort of thing happen before when new services are on the horizon. And it's interesting because we, for a couple of years now, have really praised how much we love Game Pass, and we've really dogged on the offering of PlayStation now. And so, admittedly, I hadn't looked into what was offered for PlayStation now in at least a few years because i remember uh geez it might have been like 2017 you had a playstation now subscription we were kind of checking it out and i was like yeah this this isn't good so i went ahead and hopped on playstation now a couple days ago again I'm, I'm getting back into using my ps4 a little bit more here in the office and i was like let me just see what's actually available on there and something that we when we think about playstation now a while ago was it was just streaming games. The library was really bad and it worked really poorly where now there is a collection of close to 40 or 50 games that are download available on top of the streaming offerings. So it's already getting a little closer to game pass and there's a lot of really good stuff on there, but still from when you look at core PlayStation franchises, it still seems really bare. It's all PlayStation four era. Um, where Xbox is giving us cross-generational things on Game Pass. So as much as we've sort of shit on PlayStation now from our perception of it for a few years, if you go and actually look at the service, it's not terrible. It's not as good as what's offered on Game Pass, but it's not terrible. Now that's that's from seeing an offering of the games and at the price. It's not like I've actually tried streaming any of this or downloading it or actually experiencing it. So I feel like they're in the right direction, but they have to remove these prepaid cards because they have to change the name of the service. Because if I wouldn't have gone on there to see what was offered now, it wouldn't have even started to sway my perception of the service getting any better. So they need to rebrand it. They need to change everything about it to bring it to light and get it into people's minds. And I wonder if that's part of their strategy behind revamp, uh, vamping up PlayStation 4 productions is because they're going to double down on services and maybe we could see some a, a different cross-generational strategy like we have at Xbox where they are pushing you know streaming of you know new generation games available on the system could Sony have 
decide to flex and start offering something like that to try and extend the life of the PlayStation 4, making their decision to vamp up that production not completely asinine, but actually part of their strategy. So, I don't know, Grammy, what do you think on any of that? I mean, you know, we talked about this a little while back and we said that they had they needed to do it because just the reputation of PlayStation Now is is damaged and no matter what you do, there's people that have a view on that name now that that you know, some people, well maybe maybe somebody that's here on the podcast uh hold grudges, you know, and and you know, if that name is used Dr. Pepper, um, you know, it, it just yeah. instantly, it instantly me is a bad and negative feeling towards, towards that company. So PlayStation isn't the problem. It's, it's the, it's PlayStation now. That's the problem. So pulling your cards back and getting ready to launch, you know, I don't know, PlayStation play or, or whatever. I don't know, you know, um, something new is, is, is the, the right move in my opinion you know you want to put out a service that competes with game pass that is the future of playstation and it's going to change the way you game on a playstation it should feel like a new product and i think unfortunately with what you did with that existing name in the past to some it will never feel like a new product and that's why you have to rebrand it and I think, you know, them pulling the cards is a tell that something is coming down, you know, and hopefully sooner than later, we will find out maybe maybe E3 is when we're going to get a big announcement of, of what's what's to be expected of the PS5. Because in the grand scheme of things, they need this too, because um, in that article that we were just talking about where they're, they're, re, or they're upping the production of the PS4s, you go down to the comments and you can and there's PlayStation fans there they're like I have no reason to buy a PS5 I'm just going to use my PS4 there's just, you know there's not enough out for for me to worry about a PS5 I'm just going to get a PS4 the reason why the PS5 is the is the hardest thing to get right now is because it's because it's so scarce like that's that that's the one thing like when something's hard to find all of a sudden people want it like more so than than ever. And so there are plenty of people that bought the PS5 that I personally know. I'm one of them actually that bought a PS5 because we knew it was going we knew these systems were going to be hard to find. Did we know they were going to get this bad? No, because you know, we didn't realize the shortage was going these types of shortages were going to hit the way they hit. But I got one and then I instantly had regret because I'm like I played Returnal on it. And that's it. I'm not, you know, Ratchet and Clank, like I saw, my wife, my wife plays Ratchet and Clank. So yeah, we have Ratchet and Clank and I've seen it, but I haven't played it. It's just not, not a game that I'm like dying to play. You know, uh, Horizon Forbidden West was obviously one that I was like, the reason why I was like getting it launched because it's not, it's not far after that we're going to get that game. Then we had delays. But for me, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, do I even, do I even want this? Like, do it like, and I'm a game collector. I'm over here. I'm like, do I just do I just box this thing back up and sell it? Cause like by the time the games come out that I want, I'll probably be able to just buy the system, but people are paying thousand dollars plus for this system still to this day. Simply because you can't walk into a store and find one. And 
with a library that just doesn't support the 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 amount of just popularity around this device. It's just simply the fact that like I'm I'm a Sony fan and I like PlayStation and I want this system and I can't get it, so I'm gonna pay three, four, five hundred dollars over retail for it. And that's just insane when we sit we're sitting here and we're going, well, besides, you know, we were just talk we were talking about it off off uh the show. There's no like we're gonna get uh these HD remakes of the games and we're going to do this. We're going to do that because, because what else is there right now? You know? So where you could sit there and look at the Xbox and be like, we got Halo Infinite now and it's good. We got, we got Forza Horizon 5 now and it's good. You know, we, we have this cross play built that just allows us to play things on the Xbox one series to the Xbox series, uh, you know, Series X and S, we have Game Pass, we have we have cloud gaming, we have, and it's just like, when you look at the two, it just, it's like, it's like a mountain versus an anthill, and the mountain is Xbox right now, which, which we just never, I don't think anyone ever thought this would happen, and so PlayStation has to come out and tell us whatever this replacement service is, and it has to be, you know, I don't want to call it revolutionary, but it has to be good. Has to be great, even because they need that to continue to push the system. Because when the inventory does show up, and then people realize there's nothing to play, that's when we're going to have a real problem on Sony's hands. When all of a sudden you can go into any store and buy a PS5 because they're not moving because you don't have the games. So worry about your production of your hardware, sure, but also you got to start building a better game plan. And, and I don't want to say start building a better game plan. We got, we bet we hope that you are that your game plan that you're starting to lay out now. And we're starting to see some of the actions taken here by you removing these cards and you changing, you know, these, these aspects. Um, we just better hope that it's the, that it's right. Because if it's not, it's not going to be easy to, to bounce back from. You know, and that, I mean, we've seen that before. We've seen the system come out and struggle, struggle, struggle. And then their the gamble and the payoff didn't, it didn't happen. And systems like the Wii U just died. Coming from a company that was the, that was Nintendo that came from the Wii, one of the most successful systems had a flop. So, Sony and, and, and the PlayStation brand is not, you know, immortal and they're not and they are very capable of falling down that same pit if they don't get if they don't you know release some of this information and get the ship right soon because we're watching companies like xbox and switch is even though we we complain about the switch and we want the switch pro and things like that switch is still doing very very well and they're still and they're producing content for the system so that you have honestly too many options when it comes to the switch nowadays um when it comes to just the amount of 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 software that's hitting that thing but and then we talk about the ps5 and we're like well there's just not that much there i don't know it's definitely it's it's, it's worrisome it, it's worrisome i i i honestly do have confidence that sony's going to come out with this new service and I, I do I do think they're they're gonna make a statement with this new service because 
I'm, I'm totally in line with what you were saying there. If they don't, it's going to be problematic for their brand. But I, I, I just feel like, I feel like this is, Sony has a lot of misses. I feel like they have to know that this is one that they can't afford to miss on. Yeah. Because if, if they, if they're not lying, if they're not rolling out the exclusive titles that they want to sell you for $70 to make some money, if they're not rolling that all out, the hype on the system is eventually going to slow down. So coming out with this, this service, get people excited to actually use the machine. Cause you're, you're right. Almost all the people I know that have a PlayStation five don't use it a lot. So yeah, uh, this, this a rebranded PlayStation gaming service is absolutely what they could do to revitalize excitement around the brand. There's been a lot of talk of bringing in legacy titles, bringing in PlayStation one, two, and three games that are going to be available on the service, be getting people excited about the history. That's the one thing that Xbox is They've been working on figuring out with the backwards compatibility and capitalizing a little bit on their history. Sony has a whole generation prior worth of history. And the, the PlayStation one was one of the most successful systems ever made starting to capitalize on people's nostalgia for the brand could do really well in solidifying PlayStation to continue moving forward where Xbox is trying to do that a little bit with their 20th anniversary stuff. But I think PlayStation can hit a home run. And I think this service, um, if I mean, done correctly, is going to, going to be awesome. I mean, yeah, exactly. The service, this service is the next big thing for them because we already know about the new God of war. We already know about horizon zero dawn. We don't necessarily know what Naughty Dog's working on. You know, we don't. We can assume um, there. You know, so there's a few of their their big hitters that like are working on something, but otherwise. But we can also say there's a that some of their big hitters released late on the PS4 life, so their early development right now they're they're potentially years away from delivering their next project. So, with all that being said. That's not a bad thing because you need you need a roadmap for the entirety for the lifespan of your of your generation of your system, but you you know you have to fill in the gaps and so like this service is is one of these gaps right now. You we've we've we're now what over a year over a year since these systems came out and we're still complaining about the library of the PS5. You know previous generations given there was no pandemic at the time previous generations we would complain about launch i think i think launch windows generally get complained about most of the time so you know you would complain about the launch window but then you'd be like well first quarter i get this second quarter i get this third quarter it really picks up and i get you know these three things the following year i'm like right right and instead we're over here like okay well i'm supposed to get her you know i should have already had beaten and enjoyed horizon forbidden west so now I'm supposed to get it soon. And I'm already at that point of like, until they delay it again, which I don't think, that, I think we're, I think we're past that. I think now it's just a matter of time before we get that game. But, you know, things like uh, Gran Turismo, things like God of War, especially that, that you could potentially see another delay in, you know, things like that where it's like, all right, I'm in this, in today's world, I'm expecting those. Just like we saw the Halo delay, just like we, you know, just like we'll, we potentially could end up seeing a Fable delay, you know, as much as, as excited as we are around the Fable relaunch on, on the Microsoft side, you know, like, uh, just like I, just like I've been living years and years of, of Metroid Prime 4 delays. So 
they, like, uh, they did just uh, delay Stalker 2. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Stalker 2. That was going to be one of the big ones this year for Xbox, and it just got pushed seven months. Yeah. It's now a fall release. Yeah. And, you know, we we talked about that earlier where it's just going to be this uh, this is this is the situation we're in. And, you know, due to pandemic and due to working restrictions and due to, you know, the the, you know, yes, we could work from home. But you and I both know there are advantages to that that are more personal, I would agree, I would say. And then there are also disadvantages to it. And and so, you know, like everyone's affected by that, that when, when it comes to this, as far as how we continue to be a productive uh, you know, society, no matter what industry you're in, um, you know, through, through these restrictions and, and, you know, in ways that and change that we had to do in order to keep moving forward. And so to me, whatever PlayStation now is going to turn into has to be that next piece for Sony that works, that, that launches really well, because right after that, you have to then show me why I'm going to spend top dollar on your first add-on to your PS5 being your PSVR 2. Yeah. You know, and like, so you, like right now, like you're building right now, you have, I'm not, your system is, is a great system. I don't have anything wrong with the PS5 hardware. It is, it is what it is and it's fine. And I know, I know plenty of people that love it, but now you have to build around it and make it, make it, you know, like a, like a, We've seen devices that were super powerful, that had good specs, that had cool technology inside of them that failed. Okay, your hardware is not going to not going to make your you know your uh, generation. It's not going to make your company. It's it's what you put around it. It's what you what you give us in software form, in input form, and in all that type of stuff that's going to make that hardware work the way that fans are going to enjoy. And so, you know, be it God of War, be it whatever Naughty Dog's working on, be whatever Super, um, not Super Giant, uh, Sucker, uh, is it Sucker Punch? Or, yeah, Sucker Punch uh, is going to do, you know, and, and, and everybody else in between that's your first parties, along with third parties that are, that are in tuned to the PlayStation brand where they're utilizing these, these uniqueness to it, the adaptive triggers, the haptic feedback, you know, the, 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 um, the, the advancements in the flash storage, you know, all these types of things that, that we hope they, they build upon. And now PSVR two coming into play. Okay. But what's the services around it? Because we talk about game pass so much now. We don't even talk about Xbox Live. That's not even a thing anymore. It is technically, but it's not even a thing anymore in our world. We talk about Game Pass and Game Pass and Game Pass and, and all that. And so what is what is that? And how is that going to work for you? And and hopefully them removing, you know, this all started with the fact that, that they removed all their cards out of, out of UK stores, uh, which which is very similar to what Xbox did with their with their Xbox Live Gold cards as they started to rebrand their services and kind of, you know, kind of um, clean it up and centralize everything. That's what I'm hoping to see from Microsoft, from, uh, sorry, from Sony. Oh, oh boy. All right. Well, it was a marathon today. We had yeah, a lot. We did have a lot. Um, it was a little bit more, a little bit more like, 
raw, I would say, and and more like our more opinion based content than it was necessarily just news reporting, because I think a lot of this drew out our feelings around COVID, around around uh, you know um, quarantine. Um, the uh, our feelings around the Xbox One era, our feelings around Sony and what they need to do to keep to keep their their you know I mean they are dominant like that's I'm not saying anything less, but to maintain it, once you're dominant, once you're number one, it's harder to stay number one. So sure. you so you have to show you know you have to prove to me that you're still number one. And so that's uh, that's always an interesting battle, and it's always something I, I look forward to in recent times. I look forward to Sony proving me wrong or showing me, however however that is. Like, I do look forward to it. Um, I only am hard on things, you know, like, like I saw in the chat here. Uh, Super Lars came in to listen. He goes, just in time for Grim to shit on Sony. I'm only this way because I care about what I'm talking about. If you were a company that I didn't that I didn't believe in and I didn't trust and I didn't and I didn't want to see do unique cool things, you wouldn't get this type of time from me. So, um, Lars wasn't around five years ago when the show was a constant shitting on Xbox. It was uh, like every every week. It every was every week. We're like, why would someone own an Xbox? We brought it up. At, we were like the loudest trumpeters of you don't have any games like we were we were those people <laughs> yeah we were called playstation slappies through and through people were not you know the people that weren't uh playstation fans didn't like us and you know and now i've i've shifted gears where i'm focusing more on playstation and just wanting to see them do the right thing so but i mean it's it's pretty like another another comment that Superlar says, I would take the PS5 games over the Xbox games this gen by a mile, and that's great. You know, you you would take your handful of games. I'm not saying there there are no games, but you would take your handful of games from PlayStation over over Xbox by a mile. But you know, like from my experience, is I played my Xbox. God, 95, 90, 98% of the time compared to my PS5. So where you would do that, I would do the opposite, you know, and where, where, uh, Butterboy was a PlayStation, PlayStation guy. It's easy to call Butterboy at the time, at this moment, an Xbox guy, you know, and I see so many people that are Xbox people now that were, that weren't. That's a tr- that at that point it's a trend, and so you know then that that's momentum. Momentum is not easy to once once you know the more and more momentum you get, the harder it is for someone else to stop that momentum. And so you know from the standpoint of wanting to see Xbox do well, I'm very happy for them. From the standpoint of not wanting to see Sony go through a dip, but you know that's similar to or worse than the beginning era of their PS3, you know, that's concern. That's what that is. And that's where I'm trying to balance this and try to explain like, yeah, I'm giving them a little bit of tough love right now because I'm not sold on what they're doing. And they're not being transparent enough to make me feel better about the next 6, 12, 24, 48 months 
just uh, you just don't have a roadmap for them right now, and it, it it's concerning because it starts to make you wonder, do, like, do they have a roadmap? I mean, they have to to some point, I would imagine this type of company, but like, you know, how how in trouble are they right now with manufacturing PS fives? You know, these are things. These are things where they're, they're, you know, and not every company's going to come out and say, "Oh, well, we can't make like admit that they can't make their product." But at the same time, because you're not being transparent in certain ways, I'm going to sit here and start wondering about those types of questions that I just asked. And that's not a good look because that starts to create perception around your company. And the perception is that there's not a lot of games to play on the PS5. These people that are paying eight, nine $900,000 for the PS5, I guarantee you that if somehow we could contact them and take a vote, there's a good percentage of them are going to feel like they might have felt, felt excited when they got the system because I sure did. And then quickly after, I was like, maybe I should have waited. Like, like that was I went from exciting, excited to I'm going to play on the Xbox. I'm going to play on my PC. And and the only thing that drew me back to my PS5 was Returnal, and I played that a good amount. And then that was it. Like there wasn't the follow up. You know, I know there was for some, like I said, with Ratchet and Clank and stuff. But overall, you know, we're all kind of living in this third-party world of, you know, games as a service and stuff like that where you can play it anywhere. So if I'm more satisfied with the Xbox, then my games as a service and my third-party realm is going to leverage towards where I'm most satisfied. So. All right. Before I go on another rant, we will close it up and basically remind, say thanks to everyone for tuning in to episode... 361 of the Games All Podcast. And uh, once again, we would like to thank our patrons. Yeah, thank you so much to all of our supporters. Patreon.com slash Media. Go listen to this week's, uh, this month's, I should say, must or bust. If you're not a patron, please consider joining us. Patreon.com slash Media. All right. Well, thanks again for hanging out. We um, were... I don't know what I was going to say. Well, anyways... Episode 361 of the Games Hill Podcast. Thank you for hanging out. Remember, we are your elite free DLC for all your gaming news. And until next time, game on.